What's up, guys? Welcome back to Tailgate Talk. This is episode number six, I believe. Uh, sorry we weren't here last week. I had a lot of traveling to do. Went to Disneyland with my girlfriend beginning of the week, and then later in the week, I had to fly to Phoenix because my cousin was getting married. So, busy, busy week. Didn't really have much uh, time to record a podcast or anything, but we're here. We're back. Got a lot to talk about with the NBA playoffs. The conference finals are going on. Tonight is the Warriors and Blazers game four. Warriors lead the series three to zero, so not a very interesting series there. And then later into the podcast, we are going to go through our daily debate. And our daily debate of the podcast is the worst to best first round players of uh, the NFL 2018 draft. We're going to go with our top 15, and that's going to be interesting to talk about because as I was looking through these, there's um, some players that I even forgot were first-rounders, so that'll be fun to talk about. Always Williamson is in the lane. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing great. How was your uh, week away, Logan? Uh, it was fun, very busy, and I'm glad to be back and just relaxing for a bit. So, yeah, I'm well, ready to start this new podcast. Well, that's pretty good because there was a lot of NBA action going on while you were gone. Yeah. Um, Golden State and Portland kicked off their series last week. Uh, Golden State, they've they started off the series with a resounding win, 116-94. to 94. Uh, Steph Curry led the way with 36 points. He just dominated that game, dropping bombs from all areas of the court. And <clears throat> this one was just not a game from the start. I mean, Golden State was leading by double digits in the first quarter, and it was just a very, very, very poor outing for Portland. Um, especially Damian Lillard, who had less than 20 points. And, uh, yeah, I just think that, you know, Portland has got to do better, obviously, against this Golden State team. They are just too talented and too good. And without Kevin Durant, might I add, uh, and it, it's just it, – it's looking to be a bloodbath right now. Yeah, what is it with the Warriors, like, getting all these wins without Kevin Durant? Is it something, like, he's doing that's affecting their performance? Well, I don't – I don't think that it's necessarily that. I mean, anytime that you have a team with Kevin Durant on it, you're obviously going to be better with Kevin Durant there. I think that this team is just a better team chemistry-wise with, you know, without him. I mean, if if you go back, you know, two years ago when they didn't have Kevin Durant, they're pretty much the same core group of guys as they are now. It's it's Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, um, uh, Sean Livingston – Andre Iguodala, the only people that really aren't there are, you know, Andrew Bogut or maybe Harrison Barnes. Um, but other than that, those those four or five core group of guys are still there. And they do have good young pieces like Kevon Looney, um, Quinn Cook. They, they can come in and give their guys rests. And uh, they're just good team players. And, you know, it, it's it's really, really helpful for a team like the Warriors and, and a coach like Steve Kerr who – the Warriors have such an open and flowing offense that they don't really need a guy like Kevin Durant. 
Yeah, now, obviously, because they're leading the conference finals three to zero. Exactly, and and now I mean, no, no, I'm not saying that the Warriors are better without Kevin Durant. It's just that they don't they don't particularly need him, especially against a team like Portland that doesn't have that superstar. Um, Damian Lillard is definitely an all star, but he's not a superstar. I mean, he's just not at that level yet, and. You, I mean, it just goes to show because you cannot go into the Western Conference Finals against the team who you claim to be the the best team in in the NBA, and you claim, oh yeah, we can we can knock these guys off. Like you know, CJ McCollum had a podcast last year with Kevin Durant, and he straight up told him to his face, he was like, yeah, we can beat you guys, like in a seven game series next year. Just wait. Wait until we play you guys, and look what's happening. They don't even have Kevin Durant, and yeah. they're they're losing three to zero. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's just it's pretty sad for for Portland. Um, you know, CJ McCollum is doing all the work and getting no credit here, and Damian Lillard deserves all the blame that he's getting because he just is not performing up to that you know potential that he can perform at. He's he was balling out in the first series, then against Russell Westbrook, you know, and and the Thunder. Then he kind of, you know, fizzled out in the second series. And then now in, in the Western Conference Finals, he's completely a non-factor. It's like it's like the Warriors have find have have found his kryptonite and, and are just using that against him. And, you know, CJ McCollum is just doing as much as he possibly can, and I feel bad for the guy. It was sad to see that first game, not a single player getting twenty points or more. It's just nineteen points, uh Lillard, that was it. That was the highest scorer. Um, was it? What was it? Was it the second game where Lillard kind of choked in the final seconds, where he had to shoot a three to tie it, and they ended up blocking it? That was, I think, game three actually. Okay. When Iguodala blocked it. Yeah. Yeah, and stole it from him. Yeah. yeah that was that was game three. See, yeah. uh, Iguodala is so underrated for the Warriors. I think. I mean, and it. it now, if you if you remember in both of those games two and game three, uh, the the Trailblazers actually had a double digit lead in both of those games. Yep. So I mean, those games Portland really stepped up. You know, Portland Portland was like, hey, we're not going down without a fight. We got to come back. You know, we got to at least try to steal one at home and. Look what Golden State did. They closed the game out. That that's something that Portland has to do better is they have to close the game out. When you're leading by double digits, and I think in the third game they were even leading by 15 or more. I think it even got to 17. Yeah, points. I'm pretty sure it was 17. Yeah, so it's like when you're up by 17 points in the second half of a game, you need to win that game. Like no matter what, home or away. Like that has to be a win because if you lose that game, that's a game where you're feeling like, okay, you know, we should have won that as a team. And those are really hard to get back in the playoffs because, I mean, if, if you lose those 50-50 games, those are the games that decide a series, you know? Yeah. I mean, let, let's say it goes to seven games and Portland actually extends it to seven games somehow. They, they could have, by game six, if they would have won that third game, they could have already won the series because if, if they would have just won that 50-50 game – they would have they would have already advanced to the next round but these you know these 50-50 games are just tough to win in the NBA and the warriors take advantage of that more than any other team yeah and it usually goes like um if a team comes back in the third quarter it's because that team ended up 
uh, playing better in the second half than in the first half. But honestly, I just think it's because the Blazers came out in the second half with no fire at all. They weren't going up for rebounds. They were getting the ball stolen, and they just weren't making their shots like they're supposed to be. So I I don't think it was on the uh, Warriors doing better necessarily in the second half. I just think the Blazers just came out terrible in the second half both times. Yeah, and and they might have had that attitude, you know, kind of like what you're saying is, you know, maybe we got this game already won. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they're they're coming out like, all right, we're up by 15. We can kind of relax a little bit. And before you know it, 15 points for the Warriors, that's, that's, only, that's only five possessions. Yeah. You know, that's five threes right there, and you're tied. You know what I mean? So even if you're up by 25, like the team can still come back. Exactly. Like, it's the not, Warriors are It's not so over dangerous. until you're up by like 20 with like two minutes left or something like that. Exactly. And the Warriors, when they when when Steph Curry gets hot, there's probably nobody in the NBA that's better than him, especially at hitting threes. And Seriously. It, he's he's just a flamethrower when it when it comes to the playoffs. And you know he, I mean. He showed it in in game three. He what did he have nine three pointers? I think. Um, sure. It, it's that's it's just absurd, and you know Golden State has to or, uh, Portland. I'm sorry, they have to do something to can try to contain him because that's the only thing that you can hope to do is contain Steph Curry. You can't stop him, but you you can try to contain him. So uh, I don't know how they're going to do that. I mean, it's, in my opinion, you just got to keep throwing different guys at him. You know. Um, what the Cavs did in the finals uh, a few years back was uh, when when the Cavs actually came back and beat the, the Warriors three to one was they they had Kyrie guarding him in the first half and they would when Kyrie was out they would just sub guys and just put different guys on him so essentially they would just throw different looks at him so J.R. Smith would be guarding him he's a taller guard and then sometimes Della Vadova would be guarding him he's a shorter guy so it would give Curry like different looks and so he couldn't get into a rhythm and that's that's really like the main goal for for these guys like Curry and Damian Lillard is the same way too is they want to get into a rhythm you know um they just want to see the ball go in the basket and if you are disrupting that rhythm, that's the best way to get in their head. And that's the best way to make them play bad is just to take them out of their rhythm, take them out of their comfort zone. So, um, I mean, the Warriors, they definitely have their weaknesses, but the Blazers aren't exploiting those, you know, and uh, the Warriors are exploiting the Blazers weaknesses, actually, you know, by coming back from these large leads, you know, and it's showing that the Blazers, they really they don't make adjustments. I mean, coming out of halftime, I didn't see them make any adjustments um, on, in terms of guarding Curry, in terms of guarding uh, Clay Thompson. You know, uh, I mean, they should have, they definitely should have uh, ratcheted up another notch defensively. You know, let like if I'm their coach, I'm telling them, hey guys, we're up by 15 points. Let's put the gas pedal down and let's try to go for 25. You know what I mean? Like we need to go for a bigger lead. We cannot let these guys, you know, get a hold of us. You Be- cannot have a big enough lead against the Warriors. Exactly. It's just you that once they get momentum going, it's hard to stop them. So, like, you you definitely need that cushion throughout the entire game, so that whenever they do get any momentum runs, you 
have some cushion to be able to eventually stop it and still possibly have a lead or a close game. And in game two, Portland actually shot a lot better than Golden State did. Portland went 18 of 39 for threes, and Golden State only went 9 for 29. So that's a huge difference, I mean, in terms of three-pointers. Now, granted, Golden State did shoot 51% from the field, but and Portland only shot 44%. But those three balls is what are what kept Portland in that game. They they made nine more three pointers than Golden State did yeah, in the entire that's game. Twenty seven more points. Exactly, and they only lost by three points. So it's just Portland should have won needs, that game. They they definitely should have won game two. I I think they should have won game three instead of you know even more than game two. I mean, both games Portland probably should have won. Like, let's be realistic. Both games. It should be two to one Portland right now. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, you know, but, but Golden State is just so good team wise that they, they can figure out mid game what your weakness is, you know, and they will just attack that, you know, and, and if they see Damian Lillard, he's not having a great game or CJ McCollum, he's having a subpar shooting night. They're going to attack that, you know. It might just have to do with uh, fatigue, too. Like, we're yeah. we're deep into these playoffs. And yep. the Blazers went to game seven with the Nuggets, right? Yes. And the Nuggets. Yep. And um, did they go to game seven in the first year? No, they went to six games. Okay, the, so, like, they? six games and then seven games. And now they're in game four with the Warriors. They they might just be fatigued, honestly. And yep. that may be, be a big a role. And Lillard, he plays – pretty much the whole game, every game. So he, he's probably just tired out, to be honest. Yep. Yeah, and they, they probably just burned themselves out in the first half, you know. Like, yeah. they use all their energy in the first half. And then in the second half, when it comes to crunch time, the Warriors are fresh because they've been sweeping mm-hmm. everybody. So they're they're just like, all right, let's let's get down to business, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Warriors, they, they may um, have more energy in the second half. Like, when I played football – I remember when I would like when I would first start out a game, I was actually kind of like a little um, tired and down. But when once I got to like halftime, second half, I felt like way more pumped up than I did even the first half. So it may be the other way around for Warriors. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Some people just need to get into the groove of it, you know, before before uh, they start, you know, actually playing well. But it's like. I I I just think that you know Golden State Golden State's obviously going to win this one. Yeah. I I don't think that they I, blew a three one lead, but I don't see them blowing a three zero. Yeah. Lead. I don't think that they can anybody can come back from a three to zero lead. Yeah. It's never been done before in the NBA, so I just don't think that that's going to happen, especially not against Golden State. Definitely. But. You know, Portland, they do have a shot. I mean, you know, tonight it, it's it's going to be a test tonight for sure. You know, they Portland does not want to get swept again out of the playoffs. They, they got swept last year out of the playoffs. They do not want to get swept this year again. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what Portland's made out of, especially Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, because both those guys, they've got to have a 60 points combined yeah. to win this game tonight. I agree, definitely, because – Warriors are just so hot right now, so they they kind of have to win offensively. Yep. So let's let's take this over to the East, shall we? Mm-hmm. So to Toronto advanced uh, in, in their series, beating uh, Philadelphia in Game Seven. Did you see that buzzer beater by mm-hmm. Kawhi? 
That, yes, that was insane. Quadruple yeah. bounce for the win. Yeah. Goodness, Kawhi, you are dirty. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty nasty. And then uh, you know, the, the Bucks were just patiently waiting after destroying my Celtics uh yeah. in five games. They they were just waiting for the for whoever was gonna win. <laughs> and uh looks looks like how you were talking about the fatigue with the with the uh trailblazers it looks like the fatigue really got the the raptors in the first two games yeah they got blown out in those first two games at, in milwaukee and yeah. it was it was not pretty uh the first game was actually um 108 to 100 which it wasn't it wasn't that big of a blowout but to, milwaukee came back they they ended the game on a 12 to 0 run in the last two minutes, two minutes, they scored 12 points, and they just they ran away with it at the very end. That's crazy. And Toronto, Toronto had no answer for Giannis that game. He was an absolute beast. But game game three rolled around after after the game two debacle. I'm not even going to go over that game. Game two, it was, it was a blowout. the The Raptors won by 22. I mean, the Raptors lost by 22 points. But game three, Giannis had. A record low for the playoffs. What was it? Twelve points. He had yeah, twelve, 12 points. points. But oddly, he did have twenty-three rebounds, which is yeah, a crazy. That, uh, yeah, yeah, he's 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 insane. <laughs> so he did make, he did make up for it in rebounds at least. <laughs> yes, but the Raptors figured out how to stop Giannis. Yeah. I mean, they're the first team to actually figure out how to stop Giannis. Yeah. And you know what? He even fouled out, which was insane to me because Giannis is one of those players that really does not foul out. Yeah. And, and it's the uh, first time to happen this playoffs, right? For yep, him. Yep. And he, he did not really look like he was, you know, in his groove. I mean, Giannis isn't one of those guys like Curry where he needs to see the ball go in the basket, but he just did not look comfortable out there, you know, in during that game. And uh, Kawhi was just beasting. He had he ended up having 36 points. This game went into double overtime. And, uh, boy, Kawhi had a dunk in that double overtime. Oh, it was nasty. Left-handed, <laughs> through the lane. It was Who, who was would, that on? I have was, no clue. I think it was on Miritich or Ilyasova or something. Yeah. Um, but, man, that was nasty. It was honestly best play of the game right there. It, lo- it was sick. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily rooting for anyone this series, but um, I was kind of rooting for the Raptors just to make the – the series a little more interesting than three and oh yeah yeah I'm, I'm really glad that the raptors ended up winning that one because you know they they i mean shoot they needed that yeah. <laughs> i mean going down three to zero that's that's all that's a huge hole that you never want to be in mm-hmm. and you know literally no team has ever come out of that hole so uh going i mean at least getting one game that that's going to be huge and we'll see tomorrow how they respond for game four uh you know, in Toronto, uh, we'll see if Drake is going to be out there again. He, yeah, he's he they're they're lucky off. they're lucky he wasn't wearing a Raptors jersey. Else they they probably would have lost. Yeah, <laughs> the Drake curse. Goodness. Um, but overall, I'm kind of I'm kind of rooting for the Bucks just because I feel like the Bucks are the only team that would have a chance uh, beating the Warriors in the finals. I know I, the Raptors won the series and played the Warriors, I think they just get obliterated by the Warriors. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. The only thing that keeps the Bucks in in contention with the Warriors is their shooting. 
Yeah. They are a sneaky, sneaky good shooting team. I, I don't think anybody watched Milwaukee this season. I mean, honestly, like, I don't think – I I mean, personally, I didn't. I watched, like, maybe, what, five games this season of Milwaukee, and it was, like, three of them were against the Celtics. So, yeah. it's like – I mean, I don't – I did not watch any Milwaukee games until the playoffs. And once the playoffs started, I've been watching almost every single one, and they are lights out shooters. Every single dude on their team can can shoot the rock. It's like they got George Hill, Nikola Mirotic, Ursan Ilyasova. Um, they have Chris Middleton. You know all these guys that are you know not really known, well known players, but they are balling for them. And Brooke Lopez came out of nowhere. The Brooke Lopez shot 12 threes last year. 12 threes. You know how many he shot this year? 520. Holy crap. Yeah. That that is insane. Was he injured last year or something? No, he played every single game for the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. Man, he must have gotten some good three-pointer coach or something. Dude, it, it, he just I, I think Mike Budenholzer was just like, hey, the Mike Budenholzer is the head coach for the Milwaukee Bucks, if you guys didn't know. But I think he just told him, Hey, Brooke, let it fly, bro. Like just yeah. if, if Giannis throws it to you and you're open, just shoot it. And he's actually pretty good. He's he's a 35, 36% three-point shooter, which is pretty freaking good for a seven-foot big yeah. man. And uh the other night he had 29 points. He had he went eight for twelve or something like that in three pointers, which which is absolutely nuts. And uh, you know, so if you surround Giannis, who Giannis cannot shoot to save his life, but if mm. you surround him kind of like young LeBron or with shooters, I mean, this team is deadly. Because Giannis just drives to the paint, and then literally four or five guys will have to collapse on him because he's so dominant inside the paint. He just needs to kick it out, and and always, 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 one of those guys is open. Wide open. Whether three. whether it's gonna be you know Bledsoe or George Hill or Nikola Mirotic or Brook Lopez, any of those guys are always gonna be open for three. And and that, that is just a huge weapon that the Bucks have that a lot of teams actually now don't have. Definitely the Raptors don't have that. And uh, the Warriors, you know, the Warriors, I mean, they they kind of have that, but they don't have anybody that's super dominant inside like the Bucks do. So I think it'll be a very, very interesting series if the Bucks can can make it to the uh, the finals against the Warriors. Yeah. It's um kind of weird too. Last night, their two highest scores being George Hill and Brogdon over Giannis. That's not something usually you see. Hill yep. had twenty four and Brog Brogdon had twenty. Yep, and Malcolm Brogdon too. He he just came back from injury. He's played like I think this is his fifth game in the year two thousand nineteen. So that that's you know he he's coming off. He's got some fresh legs. Um. And uh, it's like he he's a great shooter too. So I mean, the Bucks are deep. You know, if you look at it, the Bucks are very very deep, and they're they're a sneaky team to to pick to win the championship. I think, especially if Kevin Durant is not going to be there for the Warriors. I would definitely love to see that. Yeah. Honestly. Now, if Kevin Durant's back, I I think the Warriors are going to win that pretty easily. Mm. Um. KD versus Giannis. I just don't think that, you know, anybody can guard KD, not even Giannis. Um, so I think that the Warriors win that one easily. But if the if the Warriors do not have Kevin Durant, 
I think it's going to be a great series. Are they saying anything about Durant, Durant coming back soon? I, I don't think so. I think he's actually going to be out for quite a long time because yeah. they um, they did say that you know they were going to reevaluate him a week after the injury, and which was two weeks ago. And last week when they reevaluated him, they immediately right off the bat said he's not flying to game games three and game four in Portland. And probably not game six if if they make it that far, which if you if you you know pay attention to any of these dates, game six is going to be on on uh, Thursday or Wednesday. So that's a full week that they said he's going to be out from last Wednesday. They said a full on seven days that he's going to be out. So if if the Bucks win this series, they, they play game four tomorrow. And then game five on Thursday. So if they win their series on Thursday, and then they have to the Warriors win their series tonight, then the Bucks would have to end up playing the Warriors probably on Saturday. So do you think Kevin Durant plays that game one if he wouldn't have flown to Portland on Thursday? Definitely not. I don't I don't think so. You know? So I mean, I think he's gonna be out for probably maybe another week at least. Yeah. You know? Maybe maybe by the end of this weekend, he might start resuming basketball activities. But, you know, Ramona Shelburne, she's, she's, with, the, uh, she's with ESPN. She uh, came out on an interview, and she said that he hasn't even started playing or resuming basketball activities yet. So I don't think that – I don't think that he's coming back anytime soon. I mean, I think it might be a week, two weeks, maybe even a month, which if he's out a month, he's definitely not playing in the finals. Honestly, though, like, don't fix what ain't broke. Like, the Warriors yep. have still been playing freaking amazing without him, and I would only bring him back if absolutely necessary, like, must-win games, mm-hmm. and he's, for the most part, healthy. Yeah, I agree. Because, I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, there is still a huge chance that the Warriors retain Kevin Durant this offseason. Yeah. You know, they, there's a big chance that he stays with Golden State. And they don't want to, you know, further damage that leg. They don't really know. I mean, you know, calf strains are, are weird. Like, everybody thought that was an Achilles injury at first. You know, now it's called a calf strain. Yeah. And, you know, you, you never know with those things. And You never know the recovery times on those either. Exactly. I've had it, a strain before, and it took – doctor said it, it could take six weeks and only took two weeks for me. Yep. And it, it's a non-contact thing, so you don't really, like – you don't want to rush that because it's obvious that there was some, you know, weak link in his muscle somewhere because if there if if it's a non-contact injury then there's then that's obvious that there's a weak link somewhere. So if he if he's, you know, if he's trying to rush this, I, I think that he just needs to stop and I definitely think that the Warriors need to stop rushing it and I don't think they are rushing it necessarily, but you know, even if they get to the finals, I don't think they need him necessarily to win the finals. Yeah. So I, I, just like you said, just just wait it out. Wait until he's fully recovered. And if that means sitting him for the entire finals, so be it. I mean, you don't want to ruin this guy's career. I mean, he's one of the top two, three best players in the NBA right now. Yeah. So you don't want to ruin that for – fans and and your 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 own team even you know if you do sign him back so i don't know it'll be tough it'll be interesting to see what what they do with him 
but um, a Kevin Durant-less Warriors will definitely be a more interesting team uh, going into the finals than than the dominant, you know, Monstars that they were. Still an amazing team that I could still see winning the finals. Oh, like, yeah. I hope not, but I could still see it. Oh, yeah. they. I mean, they could end up winning the finals in four games still. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, they could – I mean, we we could be watching the East finals right now and saying, man, these Bucks are so freaking good. And then the Warriors play them and they sweep them in four games and we're just like, well, the East really sucks, you know? That's <laughs> like, how basketball goes sometimes. <laughs> it can be unpredictable. Yep. But I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think the Bucks are going to give them a great shot. And, you know, what? What what is going to be the narrative if the Bucks win the NBA Finals this year? If let's say Kevin Durant does not play in the NBA Finals and the Bucks win the Finals, what do you think the narrative will be this offseason for the Warriors? Do you think that it'll be okay? Let's let's just blow it up. Let's just let you know Clay do his thing. Let's let KD do his thing. Let's DeMar- let let's let Demarcus Cousins do his thing. Or do you think that that they would be more inclined to say, you know what, let's let's bring these guys back and try to win more? You know what I mean? I think they just try to bring these guys back, honestly. Yeah, I think I think that they would probably let Demarcus go, but I think that they would they're they're gonna definitely yeah. try to keep Clay and keep Kevin Durant. Yeah, I was mainly speaking on Kevin Durant's case. I don't know about the other guys. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that is the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. Uh, Once again, tonight is the Game 4 of the Warriors and Blazers game. That will be at 6 p.m. That game will be over by the time you guys listen to this. And then tomorrow, which is our tomorrow, uh, May 21st, will be the Bucks and Raptors game for uh, 5.30 p.m. So looking forward to those games. Now we are transitioning to our daily debate question. So this is going to be the worst to best first round players of the 2018 NFL draft. I was looking back at this. uh, So it's actually going to just be the first round players, not every player that was picked in the draft in general. And I was looking back at these players and This was actually a very good draft class, and it was tough to choose these players because there was a lot of really good guys that came out of this first round of the 2018 NFL draft. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through and name our top. I'm going to name my top 15, and then Brad's going to name his top 15. I will start out first. So looking into this to to get a good pick on the top 15 I decided to go through each position and look at the top players from each position and look at their stats and stuff like that to try to figure out who would be the best top 15 coming out of this first round of the 2018 NFL draft so starting with the uh, quarterbacks there were five in the first round it was uh Josh Allen, Rosen, uh, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, and Baker Mayfield. And my top five in that position goes uh, Mayfield at number one, and then Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, and uh, Josh Allen. And then going to the running backs, 
Um, uh, there were four in the first round, with, and mine were number one at Saquon Barkley, and then Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, and then Rashad Penny. Going on to the wide receivers, there were only two drafted in the first round. That was DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley. I had Ridley at number one and then Moore at number two. There was only one tight end in the first round last year, and that was Hayden Hurst. He went to the Ravens, I believe. And then offensive linemen were next. Good amount of offensive linemen picked. There were six of them. Uh, mine go number one with Billy Price and then Quentin Nelson. Uh, where is, okay, Frank Ragno, Mike McGlinchey, Colton Miller, and then Isaiah Wynn. Going on to the defensive tackles, there were three in the first round. Mine go number one with Deron Payne, number two with Vita Vea, and then number three with Taven Bryan. And then I combined the defensive ends and edges together. Uh, there was just Marcus Davenport and Tremaine Edmonds. Edmonds was my first, Davenport was my second, and then for the linebackers, there were three picked with Rashawn Evans, Leighton Vanderesh, and Raquan Smith. Vanderesh was my number one, and then my number two was Raquan Smith, and then my number three was Rashawn Evans. And going on, combining the DBs and safeties, there were six of them, and mine goes number one at... J uh, Derwin James, two was Minka Fitzpatrick, three was Denzel Ward, four was Ale Jer Alexander, uh, five was Terrell Edmonds and the Steelers, and then six was Mike Hughes. So those were um, all my top players. And in order, the first round goes like this. It was the Browns at number one. They picked Baker Mayfield. Two, the Giants picked Saquon Barkley. Three, the Jets picked Sam Darnold. Four, the Browns picked Denzel Ward. Five, the Broncos picked Bradley Chubb. Six, the Colts picked Quentin Nelson, offensive guard. Bills the at seven, they picked Josh Allen. Bears at number eight, they picked Raquan Smith. The 49ers at nine, they picked Mike McGlinchey. Ten was Cardinals, they picked Josh Rosen. Eleven was the Dolphins, they picked Minka Fitzpatrick. Twelve was the Bucks, they picked Vita Vea. Thirteen was the Redskins, they picked Deron Payne. Fourteen was the Saints, they picked Marcus Davenport. The Raiders at 15 picked Colton Miller. The Bills were next with Tremaine Edmonds. The Chargers at 17 picked Derwin James. Packers at 18 picked Jerrod Alexander. 19, the Cowboys picked Leighton Vanderesh. 20, the Lions picked Frank Ragno. 21, the Bengals picked Billy Price. 22, the Titans picked Rashawn Evans. 23, the Patriots picked Isaiah Wynn. 24, the Panthers picked DJ Moore. 25, the Ravens, the Ravens picked Hayden Hurst. 26, the Falcons picked Calvin Ridley. 27, the Seahawks picked Rashad Penny. 28, the Steelers picked Terrell Edmonds. 29, the Jaguars picked Taven Bryan. Uh, 30, the Vikings picked Mike Hughes. 31, the Patriots picked Sonny Michelle. And last but not least, the Ravens selected Lamar Jackson, quarterback. So that was the first round of the 2018 NFL Draft. Lots of good guys out of here. I'm now going to go with my top 15 of this uh, NFL first round draft. 
it was honestly pretty difficult to pick these players just because of how closely good each player was and trying to compare like offensive guards to wide receivers and then like running backs to DBs was difficult. But I just kind of looked at the like overall stats, how many games played, and then like quarterbacks, I went with like completions, touchdowns, interceptions. I did the same thing with like running backs and receivers. So we're just going to look into my top 15 here. So at number 15, I had DJ Moore, the wide receiver for the Panthers. DJ Moore was a decent player uh, at best for me. He played 10 of the 16, or he started 10 of the 16 games, 55 catches, uh, 788 yards, and two touchdowns. He also had 13 rushes for 172 yards, so he had 960 total yards. So not very terrible for a rookie start. I definitely could see him uh, being even better in the later years as he gets older and more experience. So number 14, we have Calvin Ridley, the receiver for the Falcons. And I liked watching this guy. He did pretty uh, decent as well. He only started five of the 16 games, but pretty sure he still played in most of them, had 64 catches, um, 848 total yards, and he had 10 touchdowns, which is a really good amount for a rookie. That's that's a good start uh, your first year to get 10 touchdowns. That's the reason I put him above DJ Moore is because he had eight more total touchdowns than Moore. And then next up, number 13, Quentin, Quentin Nelson, the offensive guard for the Colts. He was uh, almost one of my favorite guards in the draft of 2018. And the reason it was because he just was really good overall. He started all 16 games. Um, he did have kind of high penalty amount. He had eight penalties for 70 yards, but he only allowed one sack. Um, so that's really good. That's what you're looking for. Um, and especially with the Colts uh, not really having the best offensive line, Quentin Nelson coming in was definitely a good pickup. Next up is another offensive lineman at number 12 was Billy Price uh, from the Bengals. Uh, I think this guy uh, was pretty good. I put him right above Quentin Nelson. Um, hang on, I'm looking for his name here. Um, he was good because I just think he played all 16 games, and I'm trying to find his name. I can't find it. I had a bunch of notes written down for him. Okay, here it is. So he started uh, 10 games, and he only had five penalties for 35 yards. That's not that much at all. And only allowing one sack. So that's why I put him above Quentin Nelson. Uh, they both allowed one sack, but Billy Price had the less amount of penalties. So next up at number 11, we've got Raquan Smith. He was the linebacker for the Bears uh, this guy was really good for them. He started 14 of their games, had five passes deflected. He had an interception, five sacks, 
121 combined tackles and, and five quarterback hits, eight tackles for loss. This guy just had really good stats for a rookie, uh, really big and fast, and I think he's going to be good for years to come. Next up, we've got Denzel Ward at the corner for the Browns. This guy was really phenomenal as a rookie. He started 12 games, had three interceptions, 11 pass deflections, 41 solo, solo tackles. The only, only thing I say he can uh, improve on is the amount of solo tackles. But other than that, I think he was overall pretty good for a rookie. Next up, we've got Minka Fitzpatrick at number nine for me. He's the corner for the Dolphins. I like this guy even better than Denzel Ward. He started 11 games and had two interceptions. One of them was taken back for a touchdown. Uh, nine pass deflections and 51 solo tackles. Number eight for me was Sony Michelle, the running back for the Patriots. This guy was pretty good. He had he started eight games. He had 209 uh, rushes for 931 yards and then seven catches for 50. So he was only 19 uh, total yards short for 1,000. And he also had six touchdowns, which is a pretty good amount, I think. I don't think he was their only uh, running back playing, so that's still a good amount he had. And then next up for me is number seven, Derwin James for the Chargers. This guy was good as well. He started all 16 games, had three interceptions, three and a half sacks for a DB is really good. Uh, 75 solo tackles. So this guy's stats are off the charts. He's going to be really good for the Chargers in the later years. Next up, I've got Tremaine Edmonds, the edge rusher for the Bills. Uh, this guy is the brother of Terrell Edmonds He uh, from the Steelers. He also went to the same school as him. He started 15 games, had two interceptions, 12 pass deflections, 121 combined tackles, and 80 solo tackles. So a lot of good stats here. And this is honestly kind of the Bills... Um, I can't think of the word right now, but the Bills do have a good uh, defensive line usually, and it's good that he's coming into an atmosphere that has that. So I could see him doing really good in his career being with the Bills. Next up, I've got Bradley Chubb at number five, the running back for the Broncos. Uh, Bradley Chubb was a good running back for the Broncos. And he he started nine games. He had 192 rushes and only four yards short of 1,000 at 996. Had eight, uh, eight rushing touchdowns and also two receiving touchdowns. So a bit, a bit of a double threat running back there. He had 20 catches for 149 yards. And his total yards were 1,145. Really good stats. I like him being that double threat running back that he is. Uh, it's really hard to stop those kinds of running backs. Next up at number four, I have Lamar Jackson, the quarterback for the Ravens. He was obviously good or else he would not have replaced Joe Flacco. And it looks like he's going to be their starter for next season as well. He started seven games and his record in those seven were six and one. 
He had 99 completions out of 170. His completion percentage was 58.2. He had 1201 yards, six touchdowns, and three interceptions. So now down to my number three. So my third best player out of the 2018 first round draft uh, was Baker Mayfield for the Browns. This guy came out even better than I expected him to be. Uh, 13 games started out of 14 played. Uh, record could have been better. It was 6-7, and seven, but let's look at his stats here. He had 310 completions out of 486, which is a 63.8 completion, completion percentage. He had 3,725 yards, 27 touchdowns out of 14 interceptions. That's a pretty good ratio right there, but I do think he can improve a little uh, with this improved Browns team, the players that they've gotten this offseason, I can definitely see him having better stats than this one. I wouldn't be shocked if some of these stats even double than last year and him starting probably 16 games out of the year. Two left. I've got my number two player here, Leighton Vanderesh, the linebacker for the Cowboys. I can't stand the Cowboys, but this was one of my favorite players to watch out of last year. I honestly wanted him on the Steelers because he was so good. He started 11 games. He had seven pass deflections, two interceptions, which is good for a linebacker. He had 140 combined tackles, 102 solo tackles. That's the main stat that stood out to me. That's a really good amount of tackles for a rookie linebacker. And then last, but definitely not least, my number one player for this 2018 draft in the first round was Saquon Barkley, the running back for the Giants. Honestly, there's not really much to be said because everyone knows about this guy. He started every game, had 1,307 yards, 11 touch rushing touchdowns, four receiving touchdowns as well, so he's that double threat. He's honestly kind of a half-wide receiver, too. He had 91 catches for 721 yards, so his total yards were 2,028 yards. That's Those are just insane stats for a rookie. And Saquon Barkley, if he keeps playing it like this, he's going to be a pro bowler and a future Hall of Famer. And hopefully either the Giants get good and he can win a Super Bowl or he can just go to a team that will win the Super Bowl. So those are my top 15 players from the 2018 uh, first round of the draft. And I believe Brent has his top 15 as well. I do. And most of them are pretty much the same. Like Logan said, uh, this draft is pretty stacked. Um, there's about... I'd say there's about 20 really, really good players, and then it kind of hit a cliff. And there was there was like 10 players that didn't even deserve to be in the first round. Um, but I'm not going to bore you guys with the stats because Logan pretty much gave all the stats there. So I'll just give you guys my, uh, my 15 to 1 real quick. So number 15, I have Jair Alexander for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I thought he was a very good corner this year, very underrated. Um, he did a lot of great things for the Packers and nobody really talked about him because the Packers weren't that great this season. So 
<clears throat> I have him at number 15. Uh, number 14, I have uh, Denzel Ward, his cornerback buddy uh, for the Browns. Um, I would have Denzel Ward a lot higher on this list, but he did miss a couple games late in the season due to concussions. Um, so that's why if he would have played a full 16-game season, he easily would have been in the top 10 uh, just based on, on his stats. Um, but I have him a little lower because he did miss a few games. Uh, number 13 was Tremaine Edmonds for the Bills. Uh, just like Logan said, this dude is a freaking baller for the Bills. Uh, they picked him up in the middle of the first round, and they sure as hell needed a, a linebacker like him because he can play on the edge, he can play in the middle, and uh, he got he was one of the few uh, inside linebackers this season to get 100 solo tackles this year, so great for him. Uh, number 12, another linebacker, was Roquan Smith for the Bears. Um just like just like Denzel Ward, I would have him a lot higher on this list if he didn't miss, uh, you know, some games uh, due to injury. Uh, Roquan, I think, didn't start the first four games of the season because of an injury. Um, but once he got put into that Bears defense, he flourished uh, around Khalil Mack and and all those guys. And man, that Bears defense is sure as hell stacked this year. I mean, they they look scary. Uh, and then Roquan Smith coming in in year two, watch out for him. Uh, number 11, I have Calvin Ridley for Atlanta. Uh, he was by far the best uh, rookie wide receiver this year in this draft. Uh, he had 10 touchdowns this season, and he was just straight up balling. Um, he is a great complement to Julio Jones, uh, which the Falcons needed. And uh, Matt Ryan, you know, he just gets another guy to throw touchdowns to. So if the Falcons, if they, they can get their defense straightened out, they, they should be a pretty great team with, with the, the offensive weapons that they have around Matt Ryan. Uh, number 10, I have Lamar Jackson. Um, I, I would, I mean, I, I love Lamar Jackson, but he's not a throwing quarterback. I mean, that, let's just get that out there. He, he does throw the ball, but he, I mean, he's by far a number, like a running quarterback. Uh, he, I wouldn't even consider him in the same breath as Russell Wilson. I, I would consider him as more of like a, a Randall Cunningham or, um, you know, kind of, kind of like a, uh, Vince Young. Yeah, Vince Vince Young, but well, more like Michael Vick. I, I'd say Vince Young and Michael Vick kind of combined. You know, he's more of a thrower than Michael Vick, but he's he's more like you know, I don't I don't know. He's he's a lot fast. He, he's really fast like Michael Vick, but he turns the ball over a ton. So he's got to he's got to work on that. Um, number nine is going to be Billy Price for the Bengals. He's a center for the Bengals. Uh, he did a great job this season for the Bengals. He really shored up that offensive line that had a lot of holes. And, um, you know, I, I think he can be, you know, their centerpiece in that offensive line for years to come. Uh, number eight, I actually had the same player here as Logan, Sony Michelle um, for the Patriots. He was a monster this season, especially in the playoffs. I mean, that dude, they, the Patriots pounded the rock in the playoffs. He had two playoff games this season with 30 or more carries that, which is pretty much unheard of as a rookie. Um, and, you know, just kudos to Bill Belichick for, you know, finding another great diamond in the rough, you know, uh, late in the, in the first round. Um, and then number seven, I got Bradley Chubb for the Broncos. I think you were, you were thinking of Nick Chubb. 
because you said a running back. Bradley Chubb's a defensive end. Um, oh. So, yeah, Brad, I think yeah. you're thinking of Nick Chubb. Yeah, it definitely um, was. <laughs> but Bradley Chubb, he's he's a defensive end for the Broncos, and he's a, a, one of those great players that you can pair up with Vaughn Miller. Um, he's probably going to end up taking Vaughn Miller's spot eventually once Vaughn Miller gets a little bit older. But, uh, you know, he had he had a great season this year. And um, I think that the Broncos D is is they're they're trying to get back to where they were when they had Peyton Manning and, and they're winning those Super Bowls. Uh, number six, Logan's probably going to hate me for this one, but I got Baker Mayfield at number six. Um, yeah, I I love me some Baker Mayfield, but you know he he didn't win that many games last year. You know, um, and that's that's a reason why I have my guy off of this list, Sam Darnold. He didn't win any games last year either, so. Uh, you know Baker Mayfield. He he was he was great, but um, I have him at number six just because I think he he all of his best plays are in front of him. I don't think that he he had you know he showed it. He showed us a little bit of what he can do last year, but I think with this retooled Browns offense and you know with their new new coaching staff and and everything, I think they're gonna dominate this year offensively. Um, and my top five from last year's draft are we're going to round it out with number five at Minka Fitzpatrick from Miami. He's a safety and he went to Alabama and this dude was a straight baller from day one. He uh, had the most pass deflections out of any safety last year. And he was just, I mean, he was, he was just a straight monster. Um, I have number four as Leighton Vander Esch uh, for Dallas he also was a, was a monster last year. Um, like Logan said, he had 102 solo tackles, which was insane, and he only started 11 games. So I, I mean, that, it's like 10 he, solo tackles a game. Exactly. That's 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 insane. Um, and especially for a rookie to just come in and you know be thrown into the fire and just straight ball out from day one like that. Like, good job for Leighton Vanderesh. Uh, number three, I have Derwin James of the L.A. Chargers. Derwin James was a pro bowler and an all-pro last year. Uh, he was just an absolute beast, and uh, I think that he's going to definitely be the defensive cornerstone for the L.A. Chargers for years to come. Him and Joey Bosa are just going to dominate on that defense, um, and I, I think the Chargers are going to be one of those teams that, that everybody's got to look out for this year. Uh, number two, I have uh, my big guy, Quentin Nelson from the Colts. I just thought that Quentin Nelson was an absolute steal for the Colts. He seriously turned that offensive line around. If you looked at the year before that, the Colts offensive line was near dead last. They were they were literally bottom five in every single category, passing, rushing, play action, screen plays. And this year, they were top five in everything. Now, I'm not saying that's all because of Quentin Nelson, but he has a lot to do with it. Um, number one, obviously, Saquon Barkley for the Giants. I mean, if you, if anybody has anybody else on this list at number one, then you should just tell them to stop talking about sports altogether because Saquon was easily the best player in this draft uh, class, and he probably will end up being the best player in this draft class. Um he is a surefire Hall of Famer if he does not get hurt. 
And I mean, just look at his quads. I don't think he's ever going to get hurt, you know. So, and he he I could easily see Saquon Barkley having a 2000 yard from scrimmage season, um, you know, coming up maybe even this year. Uh, but I, I'm really excited to see what Daniel Jones can do with Saquon Barkley. I think that the Giants, you know, a lot of people are giving the Giants flack for making that pick. But, you know, hey, you know, you got to you got to team up your young lightning in a bottle running back. You got to team him up with a young quarterback that you think can take him to the promised land. And hopefully Daniel Jones can be that guy. Like Logan said, hopefully he can win some Super Bowls or go to a team where he does win Super Bowls. Another crazy thing about Saquon Barkley is what he was able to do with such a terrible offensive line. Yep. Because usually running backs are good because of their offensive line, but Giants have a terrible offensive line, and Saquon was still able to get over 2,000 total yards, which is insane. Yep, and and it's it's pretty crazy that, that you bring that up because, you know, teams like, like the, you know, the Colts, for example – they have a, a whole stable of running backs. Like they got Naheem Hines. Um, they have what? What's what's that other dude? Uh, number twenty-five. Um, I'm not sure. It, they they have a couple of running backs that they interchange. Um, and I just I think that the Colts are a prime example of a team where the offensive line carries their running back play, and then. The Giants are literally the opposite of that spectrum, like you're saying, where the running back just is dominant and, and he doesn't even need an offensive line. Yeah. Now imagine if Saquon was paired up with like Dallas's or or uh, the Colts' offensive line. Mm-hmm. Like imagine if he was running behind those guys where, where he was just getting wide open holes every time. Like that's the thing with Saquon. He's got to create the holes, you know. Mm-hmm. Like he's got to go bounce it outside or he's got to run through the middle, run somebody over. Yeah. And, uh, you know, these – I mean – it. It, it'll be great to see. I think I think that the Giants really just need to focus on on building that team around Saquon Barkley. I agree. Well, that was my top 15 players of the 2018 first round draft, and then that was Brent's top 15. And that's where we're going to cut it off for today. It was a good one. We spoke on the conference finals and our daily, daily debate, and we – um, what was it again? Oh yeah, Brent, where can they find you? Oh, they can go find me over on Twitter at uh, Smooth TV with three O's. Um, they can find me at Instagram, Brant underscore 22. And yeah, that's pretty much it. You can find me at Logan T dot Harris on Instagram. My Twitter is Logan Harris 59 with an underscore. And you can roll on over to my YouTube channel where I do tech reviews and stuff like that. It's called Product Prodigy. It's a lot of fun. I'm like two or three subscribers from 500. So go hit that subscribe button. Definitely appreciate it. Yeah. So see you guys next week. All right. Peace.